I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of your opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and use the promo code NFL 100. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday and welcome into a new Patriots Beat podcast here alongside me, as always, Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. And today we are going to do a live in the moment 53-man roster projection. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes here. We're going to take you through every single position on the Pats roster and break it down, who we think is going to make the cut, who we think is on the bubble, who we think might get traded. And from that point on, we'll go all the way through all 79 players. Currently, there are 80 players under contract if you count Jakob Johnson, but he still has a roster exemption. That's a whole another uh, conversation for another day with Miguel Benzon, and he can explain to us when all the deadlines are for that. But I wanted to start first and foremost with an opening thought, Alex, from the both of us on last night's preseason finale against the Giants. For me, I thought it was another performance from Mac Jones where we learned a lot about the Patriots rookie. There, It wasn't all perfect, right? There was some instances – where Mac Jones held on to the football for far too long. His time to throw was well above three seconds, which typically Mac has a very quick release in the first two preseason games, a very quick release. In this game, not so much. We also learned a lot about the front seven. Josh Uche, certainly a player that is just continues to be on the rise for the Patriots. But the one thing I wanted to mention, I just tweeted it out a few minutes ago, that I thought was noteworthy whether it was by design, whether it was Bill Belichick asking Joe Judge to do him a favor and throw some zero blitzes at the Patriots quarterbacks last night, the Giants actually blitzed the Patriots QBs last night against the Eagles. The Eagles didn't blitz Mac Jones or Cam Newton a single time, right? Zero blitzes. Last right. night they blitzed Cam and Mac seven times, and there was that play on second down, on Cam's first drive where they got th- uh, two unblocked rushers to the quarterback, got right through and pressured a throw away by Cam Newton. Mac Jones got bailed out on a defensive holding call in the secondary on another zero blitz where it was a jailbreak and all out blitz and nobody, uh, they weren't able to block everybody up. The Patriots in, was it uh, 13 days now have a showdown in the season opener with Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. And we know that B-Flow is going to bring the house, no matter who's that quarterback for the Patriots or who's that quarterback for the opposing team in general. Brian Flores absolutely loves to blitz, right? He loves the zero blitzes. He loves the amoeba fronts. He loves all of those types of things. So getting those down and getting that communication down, hopefully the Patriots will have David Andrews back in the fold. Sounds like they will. That is a, 
problem that I saw last night watching the tape back as something that stood out that could really haunt them against a team like Miami that we know is going to come after the quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, Brian Flores basically invented the zero blitz. I don't care that it existed for 60, 65 years before then. Uh, as far as me and anybody else in New England should be concerned, that he he invented and perfected that. Uh, yeah, no, it's something they need to work on. It's something they struggled with last year, and a lot of it is pre-snap. The The way right. to beat the, the zero blitz is to recognize it, right? Right. If you snap the ball and you don't know it's coming, you've already lost. Right. So, and Cam talked about that in the offseason, that he needed to be better at the line of scrimmage with that play recognition stuff. Ultimately, for a rookie, play recognition, I mean, that just comes along. You have to see it. You have to get experience with it. It's not something Mac's going to be up to either. So they're going to be susceptible to that this year. Um, and, and they got to figure out a way around that. But, yeah, that still seems, you know, as we kind of turn our attention to the regular season here and we go beyond evaluating players. And now you start talking about matchups and, and, and that sort of thing, X real X's and O's uh, that becomes something to watch. How are the Patriots going to fare against the blitz? Because when Tom Brady was here, you didn't blitz the Patriots. I mean, if you blitz the Patriots, you were just asking to lose. You were asking to get torn up. And that wasn't the case last year. They got to kind of rebound. They don't need to be, you know, the best team in the league against the blitz. And I think in some sense, uh, you know, the, some of the yards after the catch guys they have like John U. Smith, uh, the screen game will help keep teams honest, but they got to figure out a way to, to handle that better from whoever it is, Mac or Cam, handle yeah. the blitz better from the quarterback position. Before you give your opening thought here, Alex, just one last point on the zero blitzing. Yep. The one thing that I recognize from watching it, at least to my eye was because of the lack of recognition of the zero blitz pre-snap, possibly they didn't have a hot read pre-coded into the route combination, right? There wasn't an obvious running back coming out of the backfield, a little drag route or something over the middle that was easy to beat the blitz, right? There wasn't a designed read within the progression to they're bringing the house, where do I go to right now? So it's not just the blocking. It's also on top of that, a little bit of what the – play call is and what the routes are and what they're giving the quarterbacks to get the ball out of their hand on cams. It looked like Devin Asiasi, I believe it was Asiasi, had a backside route that potentially could have been a hot, but it wasn't where Cam was looking to go with the football. So maybe it wasn't a pre-coded hot in terms of max play. He just chucked it up into the middle of the field to Christian Wilkerson because there was no deep safety. Right. So he just knew I'm going to just throw this into a spot at 40 yards down the field, 30 yards down the field and hope that Christian Wilkerson can run underneath it. Luckily, they got the defensive holding penalty and it negated the play anyways. And they were able to continue on the drive and keep the drive on schedule. But on top of making sure that everybody up front knows where they're blocking and knows who they're blocking and making sure you block up the nearest threats to the quarterback. That was another concern on cams unblocked rusher comes right up the middle from the mid uh, middle, middle linebacker, just unblocked up to the middle of the gut of the offensive line. You can't have that. At least have the pressure come from the outside, right? At least have it come right. from as far away from the quarterback as possible. So recognizing it and coding it up or protecting it pre-snap and being able to communicate that and getting all the blockers in line is a concern or something that they need to work on, I should say. And then also making sure – that there is a hot so that the quarterbacks can beat it. Because if you're trying to throw a deep against a zero blitz and you don't have it blocked up, I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. Right. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, you want to do my opening take? Yes, go ahead. All right. So I'm actually going to admit I was wrong about something. 
Oh. Uh, rare, rare, you know, mark the date. Rare, rare time you were wrong or rare time you're admitting that you were wrong? Which one? Yes. Uh, <laughs> mostly the first one. So I, if you remember after the draft, everybody said the Patriots need another wide receiver. I said that was a meme. They'll be fine. They have enough pass catchers. Well, right. at least to start the season, I don't know that they do. I think yeah. ultimately they'll be okay. But Hunter Henry, we, we don't know what his status will be for week one. Jonu Smith is back, but he's already gotten hurt twice. And then Nikhil Harry's out. And Gunnar Oshevsky does not look like an NFL wide receiver right now. As much as I wanted it to be true, uh, he's not there. And as much as I wanted Christian Wilkerson, too, to be a part of this. He, he's looked better over the last week, but I'm not sure he's quite there yet. So if you're going to be down, and, and look, uh, Devin Asiasi looked good last night, too. So maybe he helps. But if you're going to be down one of those tight ends and you're going to be down Akil Harry, now all of a sudden you're asking that fourth wide receiver to play significant snaps. And right now that's Gunner or maybe potentially uh, Christian Wilkerson. If maybe he gets put on the team, if they end up IRing Nikhil Harry, we don't totally know his status. Right. So they may need, at least in the short term here, if not another receiver, another pass catcher to kind of help them get through the first few weeks. Somebody mentioned Bashad Perryman in the chat. That's Love my it. guy. That's been my Thank guy you. for years. Yes. And, you know, with Nelson Aguilar kind of uh, uh, limping in the finish line here in camp, another guy who can potentially take the top off the defense, and it gives you some size, like Nikhil Harry. Criminally underrated player, Brashad Perryman. But anyway. Um, I was surprised that he got cut, and Brashad Perryman is, like you just said, Alex, a big-bodied ex-receiver with some explosiveness, right? I wonder if – A lot of the and, things they need. And I know he's struggling camp, but I wonder if it's one of those things where sometimes the teams that are – like, the Lions are trying to tank. The Lions right. want the number one overall pick. They probably incorrectly want Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell. I happen to think both <laughs> those guys suck. And the one one's going to end up being somebody else, but that's another conversation for another time. Um, I, I, I wonder if it was a case of, you know, we can realistically cut this guy because he struggled in camp. And also if he turns it on and turns into the player he is, we don't want him here because he's going to help us win games. So he's also not stylistically a fit. I didn't know why they signed him in the first place. Um, so yeah, I, I, at least in the short term, this isn't my mea culpa of, oh, well, I was wrong all along and they need a number one wide receiver and let's go trade for Odell Beckham. Let's go trade for Michael Thomas. Right. That That's not where I'm at right now. But, you know, I've talked about how corners a spot they might need to add externally. I'm actually cooling off a little bit on that. I think Juwan Williams has looked okay. I think Sean Wade, you know, credit to him coming in three days later, playing 36 snaps, even in a preseason game. I think he's a guy who will be able to contribute. I still wouldn't hate seeing them at a corner, but I think they're all right. Uh, wide receiver, again, for the first month of the season, really until Nikhil Harry and Hunter Henry get fully healthy, they might need to look elsewhere to add a wide receiver. So the other play that stood out to me, I mentioned the second down pressure look that stood out with Cam Newton's first series. The, set, the, the play right after that, the third down play, went back and watched that one also because Cam threw a pass on the outside on a hitch route to Nelson Aguilar that stood no chance. The defensive back was all over it and was in between uh, Aguilar and Cam, and, and the pass just was not going to be completed. And when you go back and watch that play, Cam wants the crossing route to Jacoby Myers over the middle of the field, and they play a too high structure, so I wonder if it was – regardless they rotate the backside safety 
and cut off the crossing route to Jacoby Myers, forcing Cam to go to the outside to Nelson Aguilar and try to find somebody outside the numbers that was open. And the problem was, is nobody was open outside the numbers. And we've talked about this a lot with Nelson Aguilar being that guy that can win a matchup one-on-one on the outside, stretch the field, do all those types of things. If they're not getting that from Aguilar, then yeah, this offense is shorthanded at wide receiver because he needs to be that guy. And ever since he came down with that injury, that's plagued him a little bit, that slowed him down a little bit throughout training camp and the end of the preseason here, he hasn't been as good as he was to start the summer, right? First week to 10 days, Nelson Aguilar was great for the Patriots in in practice. He was the best player in camp at one point. Yeah, and then he gets injured and it didn't look as quite as good. So again, you have guys like Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. These are all players are the Patriots uh, breaking news here. I wish we had a big cut now, a little bit of a siren that we could go on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I got it. Let me finish my take while Alex finds the siren. So when they cut off the middle of the field for Jacoby Myers, they had to go outside the numbers to something and nothing was there. And all the, all season long, teams are going to sit all over those tight ends and Myers between the numbers, crowd that area, get that in that box, and they're going to force Cam or Mac to throw the ball outside. And the Patriots are going to have to rely upon Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry, somebody else, right? to win on the outside and win a one-on-one matchup. And and last night we saw that on third down, that that's exactly what happened. Do you have your breaking, a breaking news siren here or not? Um, I thought I did. I saw All right. Breaking news siren. And it was breaking news about a siren. Okay. So <laughs> the breaking news is that. Wait, the- wait, 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 oh. wait, 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 here it is. Here it is. Okay. Oh boy. There we go. Breaking news just now from Adam Schefter, or Ian Rappaport, excuse me. The Patriots are waiving seventh-round wide receiver Trey Nixon. Source said if he goes unclaimed, he'll go on the practice squad. So not a shock. We're just talking about wide receivers. They get Trey Nixon hopefully back to the practice squad, it sounds like. Don't think this is much of a surprise after he barely practiced all summer due to injury. But this is a good segue. So Trey Nixon cut. Adrian Colbert cut uh, two of those players. I think both of those guys are on this list. Um, So we'll go over that in a little bit. But I want to pull up my spreadsheet here that I use, my handy-dandy spreadsheet, to break down the Patriots' 53-man roster. As we said, we're going to go through all the roster battles, all the different things here with you guys over the next hour and break down some of these, uh, the way that these positions shook out. So we'll get to the wide receivers We'll get to the safeties, uh, two cuts already today with Trey Nixon and Adrian Colbert. But Alex, let's start with the quarterbacks. And one of the surprises that I had on my roster projection to a degree was that the Patriots do not initially carry Brian Hoyer, right? So two quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Mac Jones, obviously. Brian Hoyer initially off the roster. And I say initially because the idea here was to save a roster spot Brian Hoyer doesn't have to go through waivers. He's going to become a free agent, and the Patriots can then re-sign him at a later date once they move somebody to the injured reserve in season because you don't want – 
to place Nikhil Harry or Stefan Gilmore on injured reserve before cut down day because then you lose them for the year. So you put those guys on the 53-man roster. Eventually, whether it's tomorrow or th- or Wednesday, they will find a spot for Brian Hoyer, bring him back, and sign him back. I know you think this is too risky. I do. I do. I think that Brian Hoyer knows he needs to maximize his earnings at the end of the career. At the end of his career, I think there's a lot of teams that would like to have Brian Hoyer come in and, and work with their young quarterback. Uh, I, I think he'd get claimed. I, I, I think somebody would sign him, would offer him a decent chunk of money, especially a team like, you know, look at Jacksonville who just traded Gardner Minshew. And I bet they would love to have a veteran like Brian Hoyer. DJ Beathard has been real good for them. Highest graded quarterback in the preseason, according to PFF. He's been good, but he hasn't seen what Brian Hoyer's seen. I'm talking about from a perfect teaching how to be a professional, teaching how to be a quarterback in the NFL. There's few better teachers in the league than Brian Hoyer. Um, The other thing is I don't, you know, okay. So some people say, all right, you wave him and you put him on the practice squad. He's still around. I, I don't know. You only get, I think, two veteran practice squad spots. I would use those on guys that you can elevate in an emergency and have them play, right? I'd use those spots on maybe an offensive lineman, maybe a wide receiver, maybe a corner. Sorry about that. Um, I, you know, I, I just, that's not the best. You, it's almost, and okay, so, oh, so what? It's a better use of a roster spot than a practice squad spot? Yes and no. Uh, you know, obviously the 53-man roster is important, but I just... You can you can kind of rotate in and out those practice squad guys as you need. It's harder to do that on the roster. So the I, I, I I would hold on to Hoyer. I wouldn't risk losing Brian Hoyer. So the problem that I had with Brian Hoyer with with getting a three quarterbacks initially on the team, and we'll get to this as we sort of get into some of these other position groups. But by keeping Brian Hoyer, you're losing a defensive back like a Sean Wade or Miles Bryant, or you're losing an Anthony Jennings, or you're losing someone at a different position that I think is going to have a game day role on this team if they do stay put in our valuable depth. And again, the only team that I can see, foresee, I should say, being interested in Brian Hoyer's services is the New York Jets. They were the team that were also into running for Brian Hoyer this offseason. New York is obviously very close by to New England. So although Brian Hoyer's family is going to stay here, most likely in the Massachusetts area, it's not like he's going to Los Angeles or Seattle or something like that, right? So again, uh, just to be very clear, Brian Hoyer does not have to pass through waivers. He's a veteran. He becomes a free agent the second that the Patriots cut him. So there's no waiver process with him. So that's another reason why I think this is possible. And the intention is for Brian Hoyer to be off the team for 12 hours, right? Or 24 hours or whatever it ends up having to be. The intention is Brian Hoyer is going to be back here very, very quickly. But initially, you you stash an Anthony Jennings, you stash a Miles Bryan or a Sean Wade. You're able to keep some of your depth in other places. You're able to keep potentially an extra special teams coverage guy that maybe they wouldn't necessarily be able to keep if you keep three quarterbacks. And on and on and we go. So I, I get that it's a risk that they that Brian Hoyer might sign someplace else. Houston. New York, uh, some of these other teams that could use a valuable veteran backup. The Jets are really the one that stands out because they have nobody besides Zach Wilson. So it's going to be Zach Wilson, and he's going to have no training wheels there in New York. So uh, to me, that's a possibility. I, I just 
the Patriots have done this before, right? And and the right. next cut that I have here as well at the running back spot because they're going to keep the, these four running backs moving it along here because these I think these two things relate, right? The next cut that I had was Brandon Bolden yeah. for the same exact reason, right? Because Brian Hoyer and Brandon Bolden both don't have to go through waivers, both become free agents immediately, and both can have a wink, wink, nod, nod from Bill Belichick that just just give us a day. Right. Just give us a day. We're going to place Nikhil on IR. We're going to place Stefan Gilmore on IR. We're going to place Anthony Jennings on IR. And then we're going to bring you back. So just stay by your phone, stick around. And we're going to do it this way so that we can keep some of these guys on the team for the long term. Because parting ways with a talented player like Miles Bryant, parting ways with a 2023 third round pick like Anthony Jennings for a Hoyer or a Bolden is a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I don't think they're going to, and, and my roster projection went up last night, by the way, on 98.5thesportsub.com if you want to play along on both sides. They're, Bill's not going to risk Brandon Bolden again. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Brandon Bolden has a pretty comfortable contract right now that he signed two years ago, right? He's due to make almost $2 million this year. He's not going to give that up because he's not coming back for the same contract. They're going to bring him back for less money. Bolden, somebody will give him that money because remember, he's not a bad running back. He's really not. Somebody but he hasn't give- played in the league since 2020, right? Or 2019, excuse me. So I, I don't know. He hasn't played in the league in a while. And the other element of the Bolden thing that I do want to mention is he's he's hurt, right? He's been in the red non-contact jersey for a couple of weeks now. So don't you think he hasn't participated they- in the preseason at all. So don't I- you think if they didn't plan on having him, they would have IR'd him already? No, I think that the plan is – in a guy like Brandon Bolden's case, along with the argument that they can bring him back after they put somebody else on injured reserve, I also think it's potentially a case of Brandon Bolden's not healthy, and they might say to Brandon Bolden, stick around and stay around the area, stick around your phone, and two or three weeks when your injury is healed and, and you're all ready to go, we're bringing you back, right? So let but me ask you this. Who's going to sign Brandon Bolden if he's hurt? Let me ask you this, because I, I I don't know. I haven't actually looked at your roster projection yet. How many guys do you have that are this cut and then return after somebody goes on IR? How these many two. do you have? Well, I guess it depends Just on these two. It depends on if you want to consider Brandon King a, a potential example of this as well okay right just but, because he, here's what i'd say for yeah. that to work i mean who's going on ir the numbers have to match right so, so i think the, there are three clear candidates of players that can go on ir one is obviously Nikhil harry yeah. the other is stefan gilmore and yeah. i would also say miles bryant could yes. potentially okay. end up on injured reserve as well and anthony jennings so i would say those four guys could potentially be ir'd you ir them after the 53 cut down and then you're able to then bring those guys back in three weeks time, four weeks time, whatever it ends up being. All right. I, you know what? I'll buy that. I will buy that. Um, because the, the numbers even out, but yeah, I just, I don't think he's going to risk Brandon Bolden again. I, I, if Brandon Bolden was like, healthy and participating and not wearing a red jersey and not sitting out preseason games, then I wouldn't feel as strongly about this option. But to me, no team is not is going to sign Brandon Bolden after not seeing him play at all in the preseason after sitting out a year and knowing that he's injured. It's that that's that's a tough one, right? That, like, I just I think, but again, does Bolden? 
I, he's a leader in the locker room. I just, I wouldn't screw with him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't screw with it. He's on the team. He's going to make the team. Just let him make the team. I think there's other guys you can do that with that are better options. I think you're right. Somebody asked this in the chat. I think there's a real cut that they don't have a kicker on the roster come Tuesday. So I thought about that. I thought about the kicker scenario, but the reason why I didn't go with the kicker scenario, because they did that last year, right? They cut both of their kickers in camp and and went without a kicker initially. The reason why I didn't do that was, one, Nick Folk does have some guaranteed money, more guaranteed money than these two guys on his contract that they're going to have to eat in terms of dead cap. Two, we have seen some of the kicking situations around the NFL. The other, look at Washington, for example. You think if the Patriots cut Nick Folk and Quinn Nordine that Washington might not call either one of those guys? And if Folk is the guy who I have on the roster, who I feel like they think is going to be the kicker, Belichick said this morning that they still are making that decision. He's, he's saying that about everybody, right? He said that about a Cam and right. Mack last night. They're still making that decision. But he also mentioned that Nick Folk is an extremely consistent kicker that's kicked a lot in the NFL. That felt to me like Belichick saying, Nick's going to be our kicker, but we're just going to say it like this because we don't we want to be able to sneak Quinn Nordine on our practice squad. We don't want to give anybody a heads up. Team like Washington, they have a terrible kicking situation right now. There are a bunch of teams that I feel like would take Nick Folk. I, I, I just, I don't know, you know, a 36 year old with a back injury, that's risky. And, and, you know, maybe he gets claimed, but and you mentioned the guaranteed money. That's fair. But I just, I, I think they could get him through. I think okay. they could it, get Nick Folk through. It's, it's potentially a possibility. I definitely thought about yeah. it. All right, let's move on to the tight ends here. First three names I would say are pretty safe as roster locks on this team, especially how, after how Aussie Aussie looked last night. Yeah. I guess it's, theoretically possible if the Patriots get an offer they like for Devin Asiasi that he could be moved, but that would leave them very thin unless they know Matt. I don't think they're They'd have to get like a third round pick, I think to do that. Right. I I don't think so. So The question is, and I actually saw a tweet um, from a a listener earlier today that had all the people that had Jakob Johnson on the roster and all the people that had him off the roster. Alex, I think you were one of the people that had him off the roster. I I have him off. He's one of my, Place somebody on IR, you bring them back, guys. Okay, so I guess I could see that in theory because not every single team uses a fullback, right? So there's only 10 to 12 teams maybe that roster a fullback, but a lot of those teams already have a fullback in-house that they really like. So they would have to cut that guy and bring in Jakob Johnson. To me, the 21... The other element of it, too, I believe, and the, the language is kind of weird, but I believe if another team was about to offer him the Patriots could swoop in and protect him with the international pathway designation. So he wouldn't be eligible to play this year, but they wouldn't lose him. Like, I think that there's a way that no matter what happens, they don't lose him. There's it, it might turn into, he can't play this year, but they can keep him around no matter what. So the tough part that I have with Jakob Johnson cutting Jakob Johnson is We've talked so much about how important the fullback position is, and he's a good lead blocker, right? He's a solid yeah, lead no, blocker. He's, good at what he does. he's not James Devlin, but he's very good at what he does, exactly. And with life without Hunter Henry this summer has hit with the Patriots, especially if it's going to be Cam Newton at quarterback, 21 personnel is going to be a part of this offense, right? They're going to need a fullback in this offense. If they're not going to be able to go full 12 all the time because Johnny's nicked up or Hunter Henry's nicked up and those guys are going to miss games, when those guys miss games and they only have one 
true tight end that they want to use regularly, whether it's Johnny or Hunter Henry, they're going to go 21 base. Like that's going to be first right. quarter, first drive, opening drive. It's going to be Jakob Johnson and Damian Harris down your throats. And they lose that entire element if they go that direction. Could Devin Asiasi or Johnny Smith or a sixth offensive lineman recreate the fullback position? Uh, we've talked about linebackers potentially playing fullback or what, whatever the case may be, right? Right. They could technically recreate it, but he's really good at what he does, Jakob Johnson. And we've seen with Cam last night, tons of 21 personnel, right? Fullback lead, fullback draw, all these types of plays with Jakob involved. So I find it hard to believe that they're going to walk away from the fullback because it's just too it's too consistent of an offense for them. And then you have to put into that also that Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith might need to be managed. And I, I don't know, the, the – all the snaps being 12 personnel might not be as much of a thing as we thought it was a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago. Look, I didn't, I didn't love leaving Jakob Johnson off. He was my 54th guy. Like I, I could be convinced that, that he stays. I just, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I like, it's hard to explain. My explanation is there's 54 players they should keep. There's 54 players they should realistically keep. I left Johnson off because I kind of defaulted back to that, that 12 personnel conversation we had. So that's, you know, right. You know, as, as, as much as you can make a case for him, I think you can make a case for, you know, maybe some other guys I kept that I thought about cutting. I'm trying to remember who my last three on were. I think it was Gunner. Who's an all pro punt returner. Yodney Kajust. And I can't remember who my third one is. I'll pull it up, but like, you know, it's up. And then honestly, honestly, Matt Lacoste, I feel like has a strong argument. He played well before he got hurt. So I wanted to bring up Lacoste next once we moved off yeah. of Jakob Johnson because Matt Lacoste definitely has had a pretty solid summer. Now, Derek oh, Barnett. Way, Sean Wade was my other uh, last three on. Sean okay, Wade. yeah, that makes sense. Matt Lacoste gets laid out by Derek Barnett in joint practices with the Eagles, and there we go, right? And that that to me was an indication – an opportunity, first of all, for Devin Asiasi that he's made a pretty good uh, impression with. I wouldn't say it's been the greatest, but Devin Asiasi certainly last night at times in practice over the summer and over the spring, he's better. And Asiasi was better in the spring. And you wonder if the COVID diagnosis and the positive COVID test, he did have some symptoms with COVID and he has worked his way back a little bit from that uh, illness. So maybe he gets back to where he was in the spring a little bit more, right, than than where he was right. maybe recently with Devin Asiasi. But if you take away just draft picks and everything, right, and, and sunken cost, has Matt Lacoste outplayed Devin Asiasi this summer? Well, I mean, if you, if you put the injury situation aside too, yes. Right. Because that's the other – like Lacoste, honestly, if Lacoste is healthy – I wonder if they consider keeping four tight ends. I Me really too. do. Given how far, how can, how important the tight end position is going to be to the offense. So honestly, Lacoste could be another guy that gets signed and immediately I, or, or gets kept and then immediately I are, you know, four right. one on Tuesday. I, I, um, I consider that one as well. I, I think he's too. in that, he's in that camp too. So yeah, they, I mean, they got tough decisions here. It's difficult to keep, Four tight ends plus Jakob Johnson, right? Five bodies in that tight right, end yeah. slash fullback position group is difficult to keep. But 
I thought about it long and hard with Matt Lacoste because I think he's had a pretty solid summer. I think he's been a pretty solid player for them when he's slotted correctly on the depth chart. He's not a number one tight end in the NFL. But if he, is he a good number three? Probably, right? I mean, that's a pretty solid number three to have. I think Matt Lacoste is an NFL player. If he doesn't play, if he's not on the Patriots 53-man roster this season, he's going to be on somebody's 53-man roster across the NFL. And the Patriots have the opportunity now when he was signed, he was immediately in over his head, right? Rob Gronkowski's gone. The Patriots sign him, and he has to be a starting tight end along with Ben Watson, right? It, it was right. way too much on his plate. You put him behind Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, now we're talking about a different conversation. So I had a tough time. I wouldn't say I didn't lose sleep over cutting Matt Lacoste, but I, I definitely thought it long and hard about what to do with Matt Lacoste because – like I said, if you just take away Devin Asiasi's situation, right, and you take away his uh, his draft status, top 100 pick, all this kind of stuff, and just strip all that away, then Matt Lacoste might be more valuable than or better, I should say, right now than Devin Asiasi. Do you have yeah. your roster projection? I just realized I did. Hang on, I'm going to tweak it real quick, but I realized I should I should pull mine up too. So just give yeah. me one second. Okay, let's let's we let's might as well on while you do that. Um next up here was the wide receiver position. I went chalk at wide receiver and didn't include Trey Dixon, we know is already cut, right? They just cut yeah. him. I, I got mine good, but mine's good by the way. Okay. I didn't include here. Let me see if I can if I yeah, pull it, it up. Like four, pulled mine directly off ninety eight five the com. Okay, so yeah, let's let Sorry, folks. We're we going to go try four ways here. We should test this before. And I'm gone. And I'm back. All and right. It's back. Let's see how no. this looks. I don't think we can do it. That's not terrible. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We're, we're playing. You can't out. even see how. Well, I guess you can see the last names on mine. There you go. Just do it like this. Just rotate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just flip ours back and forth. There you go. All right, I can do that, right? 98.5sportsup.com. Yeah. There we go. Okay, let's do it like this. Sorry, everybody. We had yeah. to uh, we had to figure this out. Okay, so let's start with my wide receiver projection, then we'll go over to Alex's as well. So I say chalk at wide receiver. The main reason being we'll figure out what happens with Nikhil Harry. That situation, their, their hands are kind of tied until he's healthy, right? They can't yeah. trade him while he's injured or his value while he's injured is definitely a lot lower. And then also you you just feel like Nikhil Harry brings a little bit of something to the table that none of these other guys do in terms of his size. So I, I think that they're going to keep him around and either trade him once he's healthy or keep him on the roster because of what we've seen out of that wide receiver position in his absence. Gunnar Oshevsky is a really interesting one. I, I assume yeah. you have Gunnar on, right? Um, I, I do, but he's, he's my 52nd player. Right. right. And I think that in some ways, Nikhil Harry's injury really hurts Gunnar Oshevsky. If Nikhil was healthy, I'd feel better about Gunnar. But here, here's the thing here, right? They are going, and I, I talked about this at the top of the show. They are going to need that fourth wide receiver to play some meaningful snaps, especially if Hunter Henry's banged up. And then, I mean, it would be Nikhil Harry, but he's banged up. So now all of a sudden, Gunnar Oshevsky is playing significant receiver snaps. What we saw over the last week, I don't know that he can do that. So he is an all-pro punt returner, but they had J.J. Taylor out there returning punts last night. He was okay. If they're more comfortable with somebody else returning punts, yeah, Gunnar could be in trouble. And this is also where I look at it in, you know, 
the, the other element of that is how long is Nikhil Harry out? If the right. Harry's out for a week, you're probably okay. You can get by with 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 Gunner for a week. Um, if he's out for for two to three weeks and they don't want to IR him, well, that really hurts Gunner because now he has to be your fourth wide receiver. You're not putting Harry on IR. You're not opening that spot. If Harry's out longer, they can put him on IR and then sign whether it's Wilkerson, Perryman, whoever. And that's, now you're burying Gunner feeling- further down the depth chart again. So that's the feeling that I have as well. I know I, I've done this. Don't go anywhere. We'll call you back in a second, right? And Christian Wilkerson, he's going to have to pass through waivers. And it sounds like there is going to be a little bit of interest in Christian Wilkerson across the league. Maybe not enough to get him signed to a 53, but I do think there's a possibility that Christian Wilkerson will get claimed if they do cut him. So that's an element of this that yep. we have to think as well. But with Gunnar Olszewski, the one thing I want to stress, and I know fans are soured on him as a wide receiver because of the drops, and it, it's totally understandable. But the one thing I want to stress is if you look at, let's just, I know we always take Julian Edelman's career and compare it to Gunner's, and, and it's for a good reason, but also lofty, right? But let's just take Julian Edelman's career traje- trajectory for a second and hope and pray that Gunner can follow a somewhat similar path. He's not going to be as good, but a somewhat similar path. Catching the football and working on your hands while you're converting to wide receiver is the final step, right? right? Learning how to run routes, learning how to get open, learning how to create separation, learning how to break and how to run an in cut, as Troy Brown said the other a couple weeks ago about Gunnar Olszewski. That's item number one on the list. And Gunnar has this summer proven that he can get open. Right. He's gotten he's gotten better at that. And that to me. Oh, I got a little bit more breaking news here. What do we got? The Patriots are releasing Bill Murray. Okay, he actually had decent at the camp there. I didn't think he was gonna make the team, but he had decent at the camp there. Me, I I didn't think he was gonna make the team. Uh, Murray's likely to land on New England's practice squad if not claimed. Wow. So I just broke it on the air and didn't have enough time to be done. Oh, you were, I didn't know. I thought you were reading that off Twitter. No. Um, so Bill Murray waved. We'll get to that in the defensive line here in a second. Let's wrap this up on the wide receivers though. My point with Gunner, just to kind of sum it up, he is going to, you have to give him a chance to develop that final element of that final phase of playing wide receiver. Look at Julian Edelman's career. Edelman, first couple of training camps was dropping absolutely everything, right? Dropping absolutely everything. And and then he finally figured out a way to at least be serviceable at the catch point, right? Julian Edelman was never a – this is not Larry Fitzgerald, right? He was never dominant in terms of his hands, and he did have drops throughout his entire career. So that's the last frontier for Gunner, and I think it's worth what we've seen out of him being able to develop as a – route runner and being able to get open he's got that part of it down now they just need to figure out the part of catching the football and i get that that's a big part of playing wide receiver but that's a big part of the development that that, those are kind of the stages of the development if you will and i wrote about this was it this summer last summer i don't remember oh last summer i didn't write about this summer um nfl teams don't teach receivers how to catch the football the understanding is you've gotten this far, you know how to catch the football because 99% of these guys have been receivers their whole lives. And Julian Edelman talked about this. He kind of had to teach himself 
the finer points of like actually catching the football. Right. And it's he, a he totally to, learned skill, right? right? It's something that you can really drill and learn. Yes. He, he had to just go out with the uh, jugs machine and over and over and over. And right. so that's where Gunner's at. You know, Troy Brown's not working with him on how to catch a football. They just, they don't have time for that. It's assumed right. that he knows it at this point. So, and to who's who in the comments there, Julian Edelman showed way more than Gunner to this point in his career. He actually didn't. Julian Edelman didn't become a, a regular factor at receiver till his fifth year in the league. And that's part of the reason why, because he had to learn how to catch the ball. So I, I, yeah, I I'm fine giving Gunner kind of a clock. I'm giving him a little bit longer rope, but the reality is, I don't know that the roster might not dictate that, you know, in a perfect world, Gunner gets more time, but I don't know that the, that the roster is set up in that way. Right. So last thing on element, first of all, I want to just quickly say, and this is no offense whatsoever to Isaiah Zuber. I mean, I really don't mean any offense to him, but last night was the first time he showed anything in the preseason. Yeah, too, too little, too late. Too little, too late for him. So I get that fans that watched the preseason finale last night are going to sit there and say, wow, why not Isaiah Zuber? He looked really good last night. That was the first time he's looked really good in months, right? So that's why a lot of us are keeping Isaiah Zuber off the roster. I'd still put him on the practice squad. I I, I still like the upside. Me too. And a really good guy to have on the practice squad because of his speed. Right. So he can mimic certain, obviously he's not Jalen Waddle. He's not Tyree kill, but at least on the practice squad, he is a guy that can run right. And, and can sort of mimic those roles. The Patriots actually tend to give it those guys a running start when they're mimicking yeah. the Tyree kill. So they'll actually start them kind of like arena football, right. Where they start them for 10 yards back. No, I, I thought run. it was the other thing. I thought they let him start five yards downfield. So whichever one it is, they, they all, they give him a head start. I know that. I don't know which direction. Um, what, so Christian Wilkerson, I, I think they're probably going to, to lose on waivers if they do not keep him on the team. But unless, unless Nikhil Harry was going to get dealt, which now is getting murky because of his shoulder injury, I just don't know where the spot is for Wilkerson unless you're going to talk me into cutting Gunner and keeping Christian Wilkerson, which I, I think is a stretch. Christian Wilkerson to me and I've made this comparison before is Riley. Uh, what was his name? Riley. Um, Riley McCarron. Riley. Was it McCarron? He was the guy. He was, he was a slot receiver from. Uh, yeah, it was McCarron. I don't know he had different last yeah. name. Yeah. Riley McCarron, who he popped in that preseason. It, it actually like Wilkerson. He was with the team the season before on the practice squad. He popped in that preseason. We were like, oh, this is great. He can play special teams. He's a little bit of a receiver. Nice. And then he muffed a punt and fumbled the ball in his first game, and he hasn't been on the NFL roster since. Like, I just – Wilkerson's a little further along than he is, I think. Just he's right. more athletic. But it's the same thing where I'm not – if you cut Gunner for Wilkerson, that's a that's a season-long commitment. Right. I'm not there with Wilkerson. If if you can IR Nikhil Harry and then bring Wilkerson on and it's two or three weeks, that feels a little better. But if you cut Gunner, he's going to get picked up. Right. If you cut Gunner – and then Wilkerson can't play. Well, now now you're just out of luck. Now now you're you're down your two kind of developmental receiving targets. So I wouldn't screw with that. Yeah, I, I definitely think that I'm with you on this. And and if they lose Christian Wilkerson on waivers, then, then so, so be it. Be I guess. It. It's yeah. yeah, that's what happens. Right. Okay. So let's move on to the uh, offensive line. Now I'm gonna uh, go back to mine real fast, and then we'll yep. go back to yours on that position. I don't know. Uh, trying to figure out the kinks here. There we go. So. Looking at the offensive line, Alex, you and I talked a lot about who would be the eighth guy, 
right? We knew that they were going to keep seven, right, with Heron and yeah. uh, Ted Karras as the top backups. Who would be the eighth guy? To me, Yanni Kajust has earned it. Now, there are still some inconsistencies in Yanni Kajust's game. There are certainly some instances where he's not uh, technically as sound as he's going to have to be to be able to actually play meaningful snaps. But the ball of clay that is Yadni Kajust is worth it to me, right? They, they are very, very good, even without Dante Skarnecchia. They took Michael Anwenu. They took Justin Heron without my, uh, without Skarnecchia. They've been very, very good at development, developing offensive linemen and taking these kind of players that have talent like Yadni Kajust and turning them into legitimate NFL offensive linemen. I think that they can work their magic with Kajust and figure everything out that he needs to be fit, that needs to be figured out in his game. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I'm not necessarily worried about putting anybody on here that doesn't belong, right? I Like, we just talked about the wide receiver position. Is is Gunner on? Is Should Christian Wilkerson be on? Like, that guy doesn't exist here. We have the, I think we have the same eight guys here, and, and those eight right. guys should all make Here's Alex's. I'm I'm more, and, and Yanni Kajust is bold just because he was a change for my previous roster right. projection. Um, I'm more concerned with who I'm leaving off because – you know, I, I, I talked to Karen Garigian about this and she's been covering the team longer than the two of us combined. Right. And I said, you know, would they, would they keep seven or Are you eight? calling Karen old? I'm not calling Karen old. She's very good at what she does. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we've also only been covering the team combined for like six years. Nah, I'm just so, messing with you. Um, it's not a long time. Um, I, I would say that, you know, where was I? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I asked Karen, I said, do you, you know, do you think they covered, seven guys is that too thin for bill does he go eight or nine she says eight or nine feels thin for bill right so i mean i and and granted that's bill before the current um practice squad rules so i think that helps because you can maybe get alex redmond uh james ferentz on the practice squad and bring them up when you can but bill might just want that guy concrete on the roster right i don't want to risk losing that guy so that's more where i'm at i will say i think if if there were to be a ninth player added to this list, it's going to be an interior lineman. There's plenty of depth to tackle here between Heron and Kajust. I, I, I think you're looking at Ferentz or Redmond. You know, I think the Corey Cunningham experience, experiment is over. That's so, so I, I want to show mine again. Kajust is have... my favorite player in the in the chat. Yeah, wrong, it, wrong, wrong host. Uh, I wanted to do this uh, just because I had the cuts down here at the bottom. Yeah. So. Looking at this group, because I agree with Martin get cut like two weeks ago. He's on IR. He's on Uh, IR. Yeah. I I agree with you 110% that even eight feels like not enough. Right. And and especially for Bill Belichick. So the one thing that I do think that there's an angle to this is James Ferentz and Alex Redmond. Both are are two guys that are vested veterans that don't need to pass through waivers. Right. So they're going to be street free agents. Alex Redmond's played some solid NFL football in his career, and he's had some solid preseason tape as well. I think if they cut him, he's going to find a job someplace else. I, I, I really do. If it, it was up to me and they're keeping a ninth guy, because I also feel – I feel wrong only putting eight guys on, right? right? I feel well, like I, I, I'm assuming wrong. that whether it's somebody in the building now or somebody who gets cut elsewhere, there's a ninth veteran – on the practice squad who can be elevated when they need him. Right. So James Ferentz feels like that kind of guy. Yeah. He's had a decent camp. He's had a decent preseason, but I think the league knows who James Ferentz is. The problem that I have with Ferentz is that he's a center only. 
right? I, I don't think you're going to really put Jamie. He's, he's undersized for a center, and I'd be concerned at putting him at guard, right? So he's going to be a center. So he's backing up David Andrews, or he's backing up Ted Karras, who's backing up David Andrews, right? I mean, there's there, there's a lot of spots to get to before you get to James Barron's. So Redmond's the guy that I would like to see them hang on to just because I think that he is an NFL caliber lineman that can play both guard spots and back up a couple of different spots instead of just backing up the center position. And the last one I would say is Will Sherman seems like a perfect guy to end up on the practice squad, right? Has a lot of development to go, has potential for position versatility potential, but he has had a tough camp and has a lot of, I think has a long way to go. And maybe that's, that's sort of the perfect player to have on the practice squad. So Redmond would be the guy that if they're going to keep a ninth guy that I would circle here. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree with that. I think he makes the most sense. I think he struggled early, but he kind of came along uh, again, assuming they want to Bill just loves James Ferentz too. I wouldn't rule that out. And maybe he just personal preference keeps James Ferentz. Right. All right. So let's go over the defense, uh, defensive line. I have these six guys on the roster right now. There was that report from Albert Breer that Akeem Spence and Montrevious Adams could get traded by the Patriots. Sounds like those yeah. guys have some interest around the league if the Patriots are going to waive them. The question that I have with the defensive line, and I can uh, pull up yours now too, so people can see who you have. You have, you have yeah. Chase Winovich listed as a defensive lineman, but we have the I, same. I, I just go off. I just go off what they have listed on the website. I, I know there's gray area there. I just default to the team. That's always been my go-to. Fair enough. So we have the same six guys in terms of the interior defensive linemen. We both have Chase on anyways, too, just in, listed at yeah. slightly different positions. So the question is, how much depth do they want to carry with the big bodies, right? Do they want to carry six true IDLs, true interior guys. They're going to base mostly out of a 3-4 or, or an odd front this year with three guys with their hand in the dirt. So they're keeping two layers of depth, right? They're keeping a whole nother second line by, by doing right. it this way. But it does feel like Carl Davis was one of the best 53 players in training camp, right? If, that, if you want to yeah. put it that way. And, and they, it's not just that. I mean, he he was getting quality reps. He was repping yes. with the ones. He was playing like a guy who's going to make right. the team. I, you know, I, I first of all, I think they're going to keep a ton of depth here. I think Bill looks at what happened last year. They got run all over. They couldn't stay healthy up front. He's not going to let that happen two years in a row. This is a position where he, he, might keep more depth than he probably needs just because he he does sort of overcorrect with these things at times. That being said, if I'm looking at this group, who's the odd man out, it still feels like Henry Anderson's job isn't entirely safe. I know Bill gave him, you know, when Atlas asked the question, gave him a glowing review, but I, he was playing late in the game last night, late into the game. And he still hasn't entirely shown up on special teams, which everybody on this list outside of maybe, Lawrence guy, I think is going to have to end up playing special teams this year. So I, I have him on, you see it right there. I have him on. I think I had him. And when, when we're done, we can look at, I don't know if you do this. I do the the first three next three. Um, I think I had him on there. I I was so tired last night, but um, yeah, Henry Anderson, I think he's a good player. I'd love to see him make the team. I think he can help the team the way they're using him. They're using him like a guy who they don't plan on having. It's interesting because Belichick had the effusive praise when Atlas asked him the question, as you put it, not me. And then he's also practiced really well, right? I mean, 
I compare notes with Greg Bedard when it comes to one-on-ones and Greg and I both have had Henry Anderson for his fair share of wins in one-on-one drills, right? One-on-ones inside six, two on two, all these types of practice drills with these defensive linemen. Henry Anderson has been extremely solid, right? Extremely solid. And then we come out to these preseason games and he's playing in the fourth quarter of the final preseason game and you're scratching your head. And that's why I asked Bill Belichick the question about Henry Anderson, because I'm trying to figure out what's the deal with this guy. And Mike Pinnell, Michael Bennett to a degree, even though he made it a couple of weeks, right? I mean, all these guys, this is not unheard of for the Patriots to sign a veteran defensive lineman and to just not have a workout, right? For whatever reason, the system just doesn't click with the player. And Anderson seemed like such an easy system fit. He seemed like a guy that... Mike Pinnell. Right. So... It's possible that he's that he's cut, and maybe the Patriots, because as Albert Breer reported again this morning, there's a lot of interest in a guy like Montrevious Adams. There's a lot of interest in a guy like Akeem Spence. And Spence, the by league. the way, had a really good summer. Right, so maybe Akeem Spence makes this team over Henry Anderson. Maybe Montrevious Adams, who I also have thought has had a decent showing at times this summer makes it Byron Cowart could be a player that is coming off PUP sooner rather than later. Right. And and they could get him back in the mix. So I I think he, you think he, they pull him off PUP before the season starts. Um, maybe not, but I I think he's on PUP to start the season. They could be planning on having Byron Cowart back at some point. Right. Yeah. But I mean, which would allow them to go thin initially uh, on the defensive line, or I wouldn't even call it thin, just one body short, right? right. I mean, well, I, I mean, at the same time, seven defensive linemen, six defensive linemen, however you want to look at it, aren't going to all stay healthy for 17 games. That's just right. not how the NFL works. So I, I, I wouldn't look at it. I, I have trouble looking at it that way that, oh, Cowart's going to come back. First of all, it's six weeks. It's a good chunk of games. Yes. Um, and then, oh, you know, we'll have this group and then we'll add, add Cowart to it. I th- I look at it and I think the way they look at it is they have Cowart if they need emergency depth, not as a, a de facto extra lineman. It's tough cutting Henry Anderson. I thought he's looked really good in practice. I, again, I, I have him on, but the way yeah. they've acted – you know, history tells us that he's not a guy, at least isn't a roster lock. Maybe he played his way onto the roster last night, but history tells us the way they used him, they did not view him as a roster lock heading into that game. So the only, uh, the only other comp, and it's not a apples to apples because it's not a defensive lineman. Remember when they played Jason McCourty in the fourth quarter of yeah. the, the preseason yeah, no, game? Yeah, not a bad point. So in 2018, it was the exact same game. It was just the fourth preseason game instead of the third. I was there as in New York against the Giants final preseason game, and the questions after the game were all about J-Mac, Jason McCourty. What, why is he playing in the fourth quarter of the preseason game? They're playing, trying him out at safety. They're trying him out at corner. They're trying him out all over the secondary. And we all thought that maybe he was fighting for a job, and then he comes out and makes the biggest play of the season in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, literally the biggest play of the season probably. So – that could be what is happening with Henry Anderson. I don't know. Like I said, he's practiced really well. I, I don't. If he doesn't make it, it's because something's not clicking, right? So something's not clicking with him in terms of the playbook and in the scheme and, and all that kind of stuff. All so right. I, I, can I can I give two little nuggets here from Twitter before we move on? Yes. So first off, for for the uh, players hate playing for the Patriots crowd. Go look at what Adrian Colbert tweeted. I've never seen a player who got released, at least in this sense give such a glowing review to a franchise, uh, you know. Um, yeah. 
I owe some credit to everyone in the building. It is an honor to be a part of the Patriots. This experience was really one of a kind, beyond grateful. He thanks Devin. He thanks Adrian Phillips. He thanks Matthew Slater. Says the Patriots have a spot in his heart forever. So for the the players hate playing for the Patriots crowd, Adrian Colbert didn't. Uh, and he's a guy who likes to have fun. I mean, he's streaming video games all the time. Cla- so check that out. Here's Cla- the other guy. one. I'll give you another cut from around the league that I find hilarious. Remember when the Dolphins were supposedly going to sign David Andrews and then they yeah. haggled with him and then they didn't get him and they settled for Matt Skorix instead? Yes. Guess who just got cut? Yeah, I saw that as well. Matt Skorix. So the Dolphins, who is supposed to be there, they, they let Karras go. They didn't finish a deal with Andrews. Scora sucked last year. I don't know why they thought he could be the starting center. I mean, remember the Balt- he was with Baltimore last year. If you don't know who I'm talking about, remember the snaps in that Baltimore game against the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, and Miami now, with Tua back there, who's not exactly the most durable player, they don't have a starting center. That That's kind of big. So, week, you know, week one, the Dolphins are probably going to have a new starting center. So that, you know, kind of big for the Patriots. Good news, because that's a good segue into this edge group for the Patriots which is just ridiculous, right? And we've seen it all training camp, all preseason, everything. And the Dolphins are going to have to set protections and get the mic points all checked out with a center that they were not planning on rostering or at least not planning on starting this year, right? That That's, that's good news for the Patriots. Now, the question here, and this is probably one of the biggest questions going into cut down day for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, is what happens with Chase Winovich? Right. He's easily the most besides maybe Nikhil Harry, he's easily the most I don't know what you want to say, mysterious player, right, in this whole in this whole equation. So the Belichick thing to do to me is to trade Chase Winovich and keep Deshaun Bauer, because Deshaun Bauer is a system fit through and through. Right. He is a very solid, steady, long strong edge setter, right? He's not flashy. Plays a ton like, of special teams too. Right. Plays a ton of special teams, not flashy like Chase Winovich, not a great, as great of a pass rusher, as good of a pass rusher as he is, but extremely stout on the edge of the defense. And like I said, good length, good play strength, swapping out, uh, trading Chase Winovich for a third round pick or, or whatever they can get for him and swapping him out for Deshaun Bauer, I think is 110% on the table if you're Bill Belichick. Yeah. You know, I, I'd agree with that. Again, I had Winovich on. I had him on at the last position. I have him on. Um, Me too. I have him on as well, but I thought if I wanted to make a bold prediction, I think trading Winnow and keeping Bauer would, would have been it. If I, yeah, I, I just very bold in those things. For all the things Winovich does that, you know, bug him, right? He's right. So good. At, he's so good at getting after the quarterback. He's amazing he's at it. So good at getting after the quarterback that I just, the way this defensive front is built this year, if you can have him, Judon, and Uche all rushing, yeah, it's Bill. I, I just I don't see Bill passing up that opportunity for all the headaches Winovich gives against the run. You know they can play him twenty five percent of the snaps. They can play him exclusively on third downs. They have the depth this year where they don't need to rely on him in obvious rundowns, and they can really pick their matchups with him. I just I, I don't think you know. Maybe if, you know, Josh Uche really pops and we get to the deadline and they need a corner or they need a wide receiver, then maybe we talk about a player for player swap at the deadline right. kind of thing. I, it's not unrealistic. Like, it's not a bad point. If they traded Winovich, you know, I'm not going to be floored. But I just, I, I think the odds are, are higher that he stays on the team. 
excellent pass rusher. And Jason Winovich all preseason long has absolutely annihilated backup tackles, right? Because the Patriots have been playing him. They've been playing Uche. They've been playing Judon, Kyle Van Noy. Those guys are getting the starter reps. Winovich is coming in second, third quarter of these preseason games, getting to go up against backup tackles. And he is just I'm eating them for breakfast, right? I mean, it's just a clear mismatch. He is a very, very effective pass rusher. He's probably... I would say it's between him and Uche at this point because Uche has been really, really good as a pass rusher too in terms yeah. of the best pure pass rushers on the team. Barmore maybe in that conversation, Dietrich Wise maybe in that conversation. But to me, Winovich might be still their best pound-for-pound pass rusher on the team. But the problem is he doesn't set the edge. He does rush past the quarterback a little bit too often for Belichick's liking is my guess. The system fit is just – is what it is, right? It's an, it's yeah. a little bit of an odd fit. And they're going to have to either come to terms with that and let Winovich be Winovich. And he they did do that at times last year because they needed his playmaking in the front seven. So they put him on the field and they said, just pin your ears back and get after the quarterback and let it be, let it be what it will be. But now at this point, I don't know. I, I think that there is so much talent at this spot that they don't necessarily need to keep a guy that's not a great fit in their system like they maybe needed to last year or in, in, when in 19 he's a rookie, right? 2020 right. last year, they need the talent, right? They need the guy, they just need the pure talent on the team. This year, they don't necessarily need that. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting situation. The other question that you wonder, where is a system fit? I, I put out Philadelphia during that week of joint practices because they run more of an aggressive attacking 4-3 system. They like those situational or designated pass rushers. Guys like Brandon Graham, for instance, has sort of lived in that role for Philadelphia for a while now. Maybe that is somebody that they can look to to move, but I have them on too. We both have them on. I have them on as well. Yeah, no, I, I think it makes team. By the way, good point in the chat. James Ferentz, Miami Dolphins starting center week one. Possibly. I could see it. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Uh, let's look at your linebackers. Um, my, my linebackers were Hightower, Uche, Bentley, and I also had. Um, you have Jennings. So Jennings. this is where we have a difference. I don't okay. have Anthony Jennings. I, and first, I, is this the first real difference? Oh, well, you had three quarterbacks, right? I had Hoyer. Yeah, I have Bullard. Yeah. But I, and look, okay. I'm a big Anthony Jennings guy. I really am. I just, he didn't practice a ton this summer. He did not. And he's That's a fair. guy who, if they're going to IR somebody, could be brought back. I don't know that they get him to the practice squad. I think if they had the chance, they would. Um, or maybe he just gets put on IR. We don't know why he hasn't practiced. Maybe they just say, hey, this isn't your year, kid. We'll see you in 2022. Right. I, they need to figure out a way to keep him around. They do. Because, I he you know, one bad year as a linebacker in the Patriots defense doesn't mean a ton. It's a complicated system. It's not for everybody to pick up right away. But again, it, it kind of like what you said about Winovich, everything you sort of said about Winovich there with the, you know, they have enough talent, they have enough depth where they can kind of cater to scheme fit, things like that. I more ascribe that to Jennings where it is probably too soon to give up on him. He does still have promise. But he is kind of far away at this point, and you have enough immediate talent where it's just not worth the roster spot. So that that's where I'm at with Jennings. I'd love to see him make the team. I hope, you know, if he gets cut, he's brought back after they play somebody on IR. But I the numbers just aren't in his favor right now. 
if you ask me, with him sitting out that last game. And here, here's my linebacker list one more time as well. If you ask me, if if Anthony Jennings, excuse me, gets cut, he's going to get claimed on waivers, right? Some team is going to like the talent from the tape yeah. at Alabama and, and claim him. So the reason why I have Anthony Jennings on right now is actually to keep him on and then IR him probably as soon as as they make the final cut down to 53. I, I definitely think he's going to end up on IR at some point. Right, whether it's before cut down day or after, I think he's going to be a player that's on IR. But at least by keeping him on the roster for now and IRing him, if they do lose some layers of depth, right, and I hope that nobody gets injured. But if somebody ahead of him, Hightower, Bentley, Uche, someone gets hurt, right, they have the ability to then bring him back. And, and and I think that that is right. valuable to a degree. If you just IR him like they IR Dalton Keene, season over, done. Right. You're not coming back this year. See you next year. That's possible. And that's certainly something that I just thought about in my head when I was doing this was yeah. potentially IRing Jennings right away. But I do feel like he's enough. He's enough of an NFL player that he can be that third, fourth layer of depth. Right. I, I, yeah. I think that that's possible. Yeah. And I mean, he's good on special teams. But again, it's just you look at the talent there. Judon, Van Noy, Winovich, Hightower, Uche, Bentley. It's just. They don't need to keep him. You're keeping him solely for upside. You're not necessarily keeping him to contribute right away. Right, exactly. If you keep him. Yeah. All right, uh, cornerbacks, is that where we're at next? Yep. All right, I, I have this. I know it drives you crazy. I have this listed backwards here. Okay, so uh, Gilmore is currently on PUP. If they move him to reserve PUP, he has to sit the first six weeks of the season, Right. Um, right. So that that I don't think is going to happen. I think I had six cornerbacks on this team. Uh, let's pull up yours. You can see mine there. Uh, Gil, here, this is confusing. So, so I'm just I am I am still being optimistic that. Um, oh wait, so you have Gilmore on the team? Yes, week I have one. all. all okay. You have him on the roster week one. Yes, or you have him on the roster not week one, but immediately. Yes, I correct. could I could see him because okay. So here's the thing: if they keep him on pup, he has to miss six weeks. If they activate him from PUP, keep him on the initial 53, and then put him on IR, it's only three weeks. Right. So that, even though you end up using, is it worth burning a roster spot for those extra three weeks? Well, the Bucks game's in there. Right. And you want him in that game. So, yeah, I'd say it's worth it. You're playing the defending Super Bowl champions. You also have, I feel, who do they play week six? Why do I feel like Houston, they come back home? I, I got to look up the schedule. I feel like that, yeah. I looked this up earlier. That was a game you want him for too. So yeah, I would activate him. They probably IR him right away. It's really feel, oh, the Cowboys. The right. Cowboys. You're yeah. going to want him for the Cowboys. There's so, uh, his cornerbacks. Yeah. So I, I feel like, you know, I still like to think he can play week one. If he can't, it's still worth activating him, then putting him on IR and, and taking back those three weeks. I think it's worth keeping Gilmore on the roster as well for that exact reason. I also... I, I find it interesting with Gilmore because he he is healthy. I'm not saying he's 100% because he still hasn't played football yet, right? But he's he is healthy enough from what I've been told to practice at this point, right? And that's both from sourcing Gilmore's camp and also uh, doctors on Twitter, Jess Didi, people like that, who know the injury and know what he's dealing with. And he's healthy enough to practice right now. They need to incentivize him to practice at this point, I think. And that's going to be the problem. If you ask me with him coming back for week one is 
is there enough time in 13 days? If let's say they resolve the contract situation tonight, right? And, and Gilmore is ready right. to go the, tomorrow to get back out there and practice. Is there enough time in 12 days to ramp him back up to be ready to play in week one? And is it even worth risking him out there in week one, right? Because he's not going to have played a ton of football. He's not going to have gotten a ton of reps. He's not going to be very loose. He's not going to have had any, had any contact outside of practice. So, it would probably be best for the team to slow roll it a little bit, right? And and make sure yeah. that it's not right away back on the field for Stefan Gilmore. I still, it's a long way of saying, I still think it, he's clearly going to make the roster initially and they'll figure it out from there. You didn't have Michael Jackson on your team, did you? No. That was nope. a brutal, brutal nope. night. It's JC Jackson. Okay. Yes. <laughs> brutal night for him. Um, and I think it opened – by the way, I do have Juwan Williams and Sean Wade. I think there's a chance that if, if Wade comes along, maybe Williams gets gets taken off the roster during the season if they need to activate somebody. And I, I think Miles Bryant, too. If Miles Bryant, you know, you're going to keep in an IR, D'Angelo Ross might have played his way into one of those spots last night. I, I believe that. Yeah. I don't think he's making the team outright. It was kind of his first moment popping of the summer. He might have actually had a pick early in camp. But, you know, he, he did a ton the last two summers. He really did. He did a ton the last two summers to show up, and then he just got derailed by injury both times. So he's a guy I think has deserved a chance. I'm willing to kind of factor in what he did the last couple of years. Me Not too. putting him on the 53, but if, if if you're putting Miles Bryant on IR, D'Angelo Ross is kind of the perfect guy to step in because he can play some slot. He can play some safety. If you really need him to in an emergency, he can play on the outside. You know, he's not the ideal player for it, but he's at least done it before. So there's an experience level. So I, I'm I'm not, you know, I, I think D'Angelo Ross, unless somebody really loved what they saw last night and signs him in the 53, uh, D, I, I don't think we're done with D'Angelo Ross yet. I think at the very least he's back on the practice squad. I could see him as a guy that gets elevated during the season. But again, if Brian goes to IR, he's kind of the perfect guy to step in and fill that role. Because Miles Bryant's playing an important role this year. Yes. He's the backup slot corner. He's also adding, I don't know how many safeties you have. I only have four. That's not a ton. So yeah. He's a backup slot corner, and he's adding depth at safety. That's a key role. If he can't go, D'Angelo Ross can do all those same things. Miles Bryan is doing all the same things that Jonathan Jones does in this defense, right? Jonathan Jones occasionally goes back there and plays some safety, too, depending on the type of defense they're in. They, they like to run that base defense with four DBs in the back in the secondary and John Jones is the, is the fourth DB, right? So that way, if, depending on the, if they do go three wide, they can bring him down into the line of scrimmage and play man to man, or they can keep him deep depending on what the offense does. So Miles Bryant does a lot of those same things as well. Jonathan Jones, it sounds like they're going to have a better idea later on in the week, this week of how long-term Jonathan Jones' injury is going to be. But he, he practiced on Friday. It can't be that it's bad. It's not too bad. And the initial prognosis right now is that he's going to be good to go for week one. He should be fine. Yeah. Right. But they, they're they're easing him back into it and going to see sort of this week how he responds to it. But he should be good, good to go for week one. So I would say the next sort of step here is with Sean Wade versus Juwan Williams, right? Because we know J.C. Jackson, John Jones, Jalen Mills, Stephon Gilmore, whether Gilmore's on IR or on PUP or whatever is, is another conversation, right? It, it will, that's a logistical conversation. Those four guys are making the team, 
right? Yeah. I have Mills as a corner because he's played so much corner this this summer, but I can understand I I him as a safety as well. No, I don't. Regardless, those four guys are going to be on the team, no questions asked. The question is, do they have a spot or do they feel the need to keep a spot for both Sean Wade and Juwan Williams? Williams, another 2019 draft pick that could potentially get traded here if they get something in return for him. I have him on as well. I have all six of these guys making the initial cut down. But Juwan Williams versus Sean, I wish there was more time with Sean Wade, right? You I, I know, yeah. Him. But again, the fact that he played 36 snaps last night, I think, tells you a ton. Yeah, yeah, in terms and he, of like- he looked pretty good. That push-off aside, that, that really shouldn't have counted. Uh, he had some good reps against Darius Sills in that press man on the outside. Uh, there's there's something there to work with him, for sure. Yep. Uh, you have Miles Bryan as a safety, right? I have Miles Bryan as a safety, yes. Okay, so so we we, we switched. Uh, uh, Mills, Mills and Bryan, and Bryan. yes. All right. I went yeah, back and forth a, a million times on where to include those guys. Again, when, you, when in doubt, just default to what the team does. It's the easiest way to do it. I said, don't they have Miles Bryan as a DB? Oh, they might. Yeah. They might. I don't, so I, they, I, I they, don't know. They cheat. Okay, so here, here are my safeties. Or here's, you know, you can look at these two columns and kind of get the whole secondary, yeah. right? You know, these are oh, that way. Uh, these two columns, you can get the whole secondary picture this way. So McCordy, Duggar, Phillips, locks, 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 right? No, no chance that those guys are going yeah. anywhere. Miles Bride's my fourth safety. You can also consider Jalen Mills. You want to cross those guys over, whatever you want to call those players. No real surprises here at safety. Adrian Colbert was already cut earlier today. Josh Bledsoe, yeah. I assume they're going to stash on IR or NFI or whatever they're able to do with him. Uh, I don't know. And I don't think there's going to be any surprises at safety. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the depth's a little thin, but again, with, with guys like Juwan Williams, Jalen Mills, Miles Bryant, right? there's enough. John Jones you know, guys, plays a little bit there too. Right. You, you have enough where guys can play both spots that they should be okay. Again, I I don't know that. Here's Alex. Adding adding another defensive back is the worst idea externally. I mean, maybe Sean Wade's that guy, and Wade can play right. some safety too. Um, yeah, I wouldn't hate to see them adding like a true safety. You know, if somebody breaks free, but yeah, I mean, this group yeah. it is what it is, and they're going to be good. The depth's a little thin, but the high end talent still, the top end talent still is what it's been for the last few years. Definitely still feels like they're missing Deron Harmon, right? That Deron I, Harmon They've been player. missing Deron Harmon for two years. They never replaced him. I don't know yeah. why they didn't. I've been saying that for two years. And they never draft those guys. I don't know. I it, it definitely feels to me like they're missing that player still. The backup free safety. Maybe they think that that's Miles Bryant um, or, or somebody like Sean Wade, who some people in the scouting community have said – to me that potentially Sean Wade could be a long-term fit as more of a free safety. He ran a low four, four with like a, a ridiculous three cone. He was like six, eight, nine or something like that. in the three cone, really good athlete. Pull it up for and, you here. And not a, I always pictured him as more of a box safety or a slot, which is what he was playing. He's playing as a nickel corner a lot at Ohio state, but maybe he is a player that, could place him in the back end too. Duggar has potential to play back there, but he's so big that if they're going to play him at 220, 225, and they're going to ask him to play post safety and go sideline to sideline, that's a big ask, right? Even for an athlete as good as Duggar, uh, that's a big, big ask. So the backup free safety role behind Devin McCourty continues to be something that they've avoided, I would say. They haven't signed anybody for that spot. They haven't drafted anybody for that spot. It's it's an interesting. They've cared way more about replacing Patrick Chung 
And maybe that's because yeah. Patrick Chung is no longer on the team, right? Maybe he retired before Devin McCourty. So that's fair. But they've cared way more about finding guys to guard tight ends and cover tight ends and play that Chung money backer tight end stopper role than they have finding another center fielder to replace Devin yeah. McCourty. No, I mean, they, they or finding another center fielder to replace Deron Harmon. Right. I, I've been on that. They never... There's one guy every year we don't think they're going to miss that they miss, whether it's Danny Shelton, whether it's Deron Harmon, whether it, you know, uh, whoever it is, there's always that under the radar guy, that departure that, that they kind of miss. And yeah, I, you know, we talked about that a ton during the draft. We were looking at safeties. I, I was talking about guys like Damar Hamlin, Caden Stearns, that these are oh, the yeah. kind of guys they should be looking for. And maybe Wade can be that guy. You know, he wouldn't be the, I, I think he does sort of project to a free safety, but we'll see. Yeah. If not, that's going to be, you know, top three need next year for the draft, tackle, corner, deep safety. Yeah, I, I would agree because Devin McCourty hasn't been serious about retiring yet, but he has definitely contemplated retirement a yeah. few times or at least discussed it with his family and, and his the people close to him. So uh, eventually they're going to have to look on, uh, move on from that and, and figure out something to do with him. All right, so uh, the three names here, we'll get to the kicker in a second. Let's, these are the three names, and then Brandon King's down here for me in the cuts list um, that I wanted to start with. These these coverage specialists, right? They're coverage aces, whatever um, you want to call them. Evan? Yes. You missing somebody? Am I missing somebody? Am I missing? You, you, you missing a special teamer there? Scroll up. Are you, is that oh, are you, talking about Nick, are you talking about Nick Folk? Or Jake Bailey. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, relax. But I jumped through the computer and strangle you. Okay. I know I sound like a broken record because when you're right, you don't have a lot of room to move around <laughs> anyway. Oh, no. Okay. So let's talk about the coverage specialist. So the one guy that I kept off out of that group, there's four of them, right? Matthew Slater, Justin Bethel, Cody Davis, Brandon King. The one guy that I kept off of that group was Brandon King. No guaranteed money on his contract. Hasn't played in an NFL regular season game in a couple of years. Remember, yeah. he was injured in 2019, then opted out. Badly, in badly, like, badly really injured. Injury, yeah. It potentially could have been career ending, right? So great for him. Good for him. All things can, seriously. Great for Brandon King that he's back. Matthew Slater mentioned last week, was it, that he's hitting just as hard. He's playing just as hard. He looks like his old self. But again, no guaranteed money, hasn't played in an NFL game since 2018. Cody Davis, Justin Bethel, Matthew Slater all have guaranteed cash on their deals. They just gave Cody Davis a really nice contract, right? So he's somebody that's going to be on this team. Brandon King, definitely a potential guy that I had at that list with Hoyer and Bolden of guys that could get initially waived and then brought back. Right. I, I think that he definitely fits in that category as well. If they lose a guy like Brandon Bolden, it's and he meaning they cut Brandon Bolden and Bolden goes and signs elsewhere. Brandon King, I think, has a similar skill set body type in the kicking game that maybe could replicate that. Right. So maybe Brandon King ends up being the one that gets brought back. But we can pull yours up now, Alex, to see. Do you have all four of these guys on? Yeah, no. I think I I think I have the same group you do. Yeah, um, so you you also cut Brandon King. Yes, I'd actually moved Justin Bethel over to corners last week. I put him back here there now, but he, he's played decent that corner. He's been sure. a good corner. And look, I'm not saying I'm throwing out him out there opposite J.C. Jackson to take all of the right. Gilmore snaps, but 
you need him out there 10 snaps. I'd put him out there I'm comfortable with him out there eight to 10 snaps a game. I think right. he's shown enough, you know, against a number, another team's third receiver. Uh, I, I, I'm really impressed what I've seen with him. And it sounds like this was always the plan, by the way. Cause yeah. like, who did I talk to about it? Um, I think it was Mike Pellegrino. Yeah, it was Mike Pellegrino, the cornerbacks coach, who said that, you know, he kind of came in the middle of the year in 2019. They didn't have the preseason work that, that Bethel probably could have used in 2020. But, you know, now they're glad to see him get this chance. It feels like it was always kind of the plan for him to play some corner here. And he's done a really good job of it. Yeah. Okay. So we feel pretty comfortable with Bethel Davis Slater. Obviously, yeah. Slater and Bethel are certainly not getting cut. And Cody Davis has guaranteed money. They gave him that two-year deal. He's going to be here. Yeah. Brandon King's a, a tough cut for Bill, right? You know, Belichick is is somewhere crying over uh, that he, he's going to have to cut his yeah, guy. It's a business. He knows it's a business. They all love Brandon King in that locker room, right? They Everybody does. And, again, I do think that if they IR a couple guys and maybe they lose a couple guys in waivers that they were hoping they weren't going to lose, a guy like Christian Wilkerson, for example. If they lose a guy like Christian Wilkerson, maybe they can bring Brandon King back. How close were you in Nick Folk, Quinn Nordeen? Because I wasn't very close. I, at the I'm end. not close in Folk Nordeen. We're on close is I, and we talked about this earlier. I could see them doing that thing again where they don't have any kick. Remember last year, right. they didn't even have a kicker technically on the roster week one. They had yeah. Folk on the practice squad and they elevated them. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sold. I'll scroll down here. Cause I think I have it here. I think, Oh, I thought I had, uh, Folk as one of my last three on, but there's my, yeah. there's my snapshot of my bubble. Um, but yeah, I could see them cutting Folk and just kind of going without a kicker for the first couple of days before. Me too. They, once the rosters are set. Me too. I could see that happening. I just, I would be concerned that a team would would try to go after Nick Folk because just reading up on some of these other teams around the league and kicking situations, it's always so up in the air. Folk was one of the better kickers in the league last year, and certainly one of the clutch kickers in the league last year. Two plus fifty. Uh, game winners. So I think there's going to be a team that would, that would aggressively go after Nick Folk. Now would Folk end up picking the Patriots over that team? It's definitely possible, right? I mean, they can get into uh, that negotiation and, and work that out, but I think there is a risk there. And uh, I, again, I, I don't think, I think we're both in agreement that ultimately it wasn't that close for Quinn Nordine. No, no. I And look, I still like Nordine as a prospect. I'd put him on the practice squad and work with him for a year and revisit his case next summer. I, I'm not totally writing him right. off, but I, he's not the guy this year. He's not ready. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I hope that they are able to get Nordine back on the practice squad too. So you did this uh, last three on, yeah. next three on. This is the closest Nordine ever got. Last week I had him as one of my next three on. Okay, so I didn't do this, but I can do it quickly in my head while you explain your uh, your your list here. Yeah, so I mean, they do this for March Madness, right? When they look at the bubble teams in terms right. of, you know, who would have been the next four on. So my last three on, those are players 51, 52, 53. That doesn't mean they're the three worst players, right? I, I think all three of these guys have been better than Juwan Williams, but Juwan Williams right. is going to make the roster because of the way it's constructed. We've talked about this before on the show. I've written about it the at-large roster spots. You can check that out on 98.5thesportshub.com. But, these, you know, when I'm putting it together, because I start, I have, you know, 60-something guys. I get rid of the obvious cuts. I have 60-something guys. I start pulling them off one by one. What you see on the top are the last three guys, uh, or, or what you see on the bottom are the last three guys I pulled off the roster. What you see on the top are the next three guys I would have pulled off uh, had I had to make three more cuts, right? So this is this is what... Like this is essentially defining 
what we would call the bubble. This is putting a, you know, actual yeah. quality quantity to it. Um, and this is, this is my, bu- this is a look at what my bubble is right here. Yeah. I like that. I, I would say my last three on, I would go probably Gunner, right? I, I think he's, yeah. He, it has been a lot closer this summer with Gunnar Oshevsky than I was expecting. You win an All Pro award as well, a it's really player. just this last week. He was fine until this last week. Yeah, and it's funny because he wasn't even close last year for the All Pro voting. Right, he won All, all Pro punt returner right. by an absolute mile. So the fact that we're even considering this it really shows you how far he has to go as a receiver. So I'd say Oshevsky. As much as I like the numbers in terms of Yadni Kajus, I think in terms of what the production has been at on the field, uh, he was somebody that would have been one of my last guys on. Certainly Sean Wade, but I don't know if you want to count that. That's kind of a I have him uh, on mine. A combat. All right, so Sean Wade would be the other one. The guy that I think, believe it or not, the player that I and, and there's some guys on the defensive line, um, and certainly Christian Wilkerson. So I'd say Wilkerson in terms of next three, right? Yeah. Wilkerson. Probably Montrevious Adams on the defensive line. But the guy that I had the toughest guy time cutting was Tashawn Power because he just does everything right. He does exactly what they want that position to do. It's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's not – he's not going to go out there and put up all these sack totals and get Pro Bowl votes. But a hard-nosed, lunch pail, edge-setting special teamer, right? Yeah. I mean, just everything you're, – you're looking to carry – a fourth or a fifth edge guy behind these studs that they have, the free agent signings and Uche and Hightower and all these players that they have at, at that linebacker's position. But Bauer is the type of guys that is the type of guy that contributes, right? And ha- could have a game day role, uh, could ha- be a sturdy backup, third, fourth, fifth string type of guy. I don't know. I, I like Tashawn Bauer. I thought he had a solid summer. I thought he, he gets the job done, even if it's not the flashiest job possible. Matt Lacoste was a tough one, too. Uh, uh, I, I think that's that's a tough decision as well. Aussie Aussie clearly deserves the spot because of the upside, and because of what we saw last night, what we saw in the spring before COVID. Uh, he definitely looked really solid, more so, I would say, in minicamp. Um, with that Aussie Aussie, uh, we were we were talking about uh, talking up Aussie Aussie a little bit back in uh, what was that uh, June, Alex? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, so let's uh, let's now play. you figure out how to do that. You just figure that out. Are you serious? Uh, now we know. No, All right, no. now we know for tomorrow when we have to uh, piece this whole thing together, and hopefully we're we're starting to hear about some cuts already. Adrian okay, Colbert. Now. We're at three now. Adrian Colbert, Trey Nixon, and Bill Murray, the comedian. All, all three of those guys cut already for the Patriots. We got it. Alex, are you going to do a a cut down tracker? What do you? Yeah, got? yeah, we'll have one. Ninety eight five sports Okay, cool. So we're going to do something similar on CLNS as well. And Alex and I are going to be back on the pod. Well, first of all, I hope you enjoyed the roster projection uh, hour and 30 minute gauntlet we just went through to break this entire roster down. I didn't even realize it was an hour and a half. That's good. Yeah, I'm glad. I wanted to do it this way because I wanted to talk about each individual player, each individual battle. I think that that's right. It was all really important to discuss. So Alex and I are going to be back on tomorrow night at some point. We still have to decide exactly what time because we both have writing responsibilities and things like that. But we're going to be back on tomorrow night. 
to break down the initial 53-man roster for the Patriots. And Alex, you think any surprises between now and when we sign on tomorrow night? I, I don't know if we're going to get any surprises this year. I mean, well, that that wouldn't make him a surprise, would it? Uh, you know, maybe Henry Anderson. We kind of yeah. talked about that. Um, sure. I, again, I, I would be surprised if Brian Hoyer gets cut. I know you wouldn't. I would. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. So I, I agree with both of those. I, I think Henry Anderson is the best chance to be a surprise cut. I would also throw out a trade of Chase Winovich yeah, in the next that's 24 fair. hours. I don't know if it necessarily needs to happen in the next 24 hours. I don't know if they're that because if they trade him, unless they're trading him for a draft pick, if they try, because to me, I would also chop Chase Winovich around for a wide receiver and see if they can pull if off. If they trade him player for player, they have time. If they wait right. till after the deadline and trade him for a pick, that's a little disappointing because you cost yourself the ability to keep a player you then did. Correct. Correct. A oh. Bauer, a Wilkerson, whoever right. you want, Lacoste, whatever, whatever you want to keep there. So once again, Alex and I will be back on the show tomorrow night around the same time, four or five o'clock. The deadline is 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday to cut the roster down to 53 players. And some, you know, we, we really shouldn't come on before 430 because even no. sometimes with that, like it trickles in. You later. know, you know how Bill Belichick and the Patriots are too. They won't release. Last year didn't, last year didn't come out to like seven o'clock. They will not release that roster formally, right? We might get it by all of us right. cross-referencing reports and pulling it all together to be able to figure it out. But they will not release that 53-man roster on Patriots.com until at least 7 p.m. tomorrow night. So we're, we're, we're going to have a long night ahead of us tomorrow night with the Patriots and the 53. But Alex and I are going to be back on the pod as soon as we can – for the most part, be official with the roster, right, in terms of who's made the final cut. So keep it here. Patriots Press Pass, if you like the show, if you like Alex and I, if you can stand us for this long, then you probably do. Please subscribe to the channel, Patriots Press Pass. Click the subscribe button. That's how Alex and I continue to bring these podcasts to you guys as often as we do. And once again, we will be back tomorrow night to break down the 53-man roster. And I hope you enjoyed our roster projection. And we'll see how close we actually were uh, 24 hours from now. So until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody.